0: to another episode of recipe to success this one has been highly anticipated one that we've been trying to work on for a while and i know how much you guys love the real estate ones so this one's going to be special barry how's it going it's going good how you doing i'm good i'm good finally made it happen finally I uh, know it's going to be such a valuable episode. I'm really excited uh, for everyone to, you know, watch and, and, and give their thoughts. Um, So let's start with, uh, you know, introduction. Who are you? Because obviously you're a man that maybe uh, people don't know necessarily. Um, but obviously in the business world, you've got a great network uh, and achieved a lot of success. Um, so let's enlighten people of, uh, you know, who Barry is.
1: Kind words, bro. First of all, I want to say thanks for bringing me on um, and uh, I want to commend you on the podcast. It's really good work. It's nice that you're getting people on that might perhaps not have as huge a reach. For me, I'm just a property guy, um, nothing um, out of the ordinary. Uh, we, uh, we've we got several parts in the property business, the main one being we sell new build apartments, primarily in London um, and we've now expanded to Dubai and uh, also Africa, the west coast of Africa. So we deal in mainly new build properties um, all around London, in Dubai, and obviously the business is growing, Um, LMC Capital is growing, uh, so we're going to be in West Africa, which we've just launched, and uh, hopefully Asia next year as well. That's the main part of the business.
0: Okay, so let's break it down in layman's terms for, you know, anyone that has n- like no knowledge of the property industry, um, especially for the, you know, young listeners. does it, w- w- what is involved in that? You said Africa, Dubai, London, obviously multiple locations um, that you're working on property. Like what does your day-to-day look like and what, what essentially does your business do in, in layman's terms?
1: In layman's terms, um, we sell property. Um, they're just new properties, so stuff that's either built or going to be built. Um, We started selling properties in London. So we work with some of the biggest names in in the industry. Um, People like Barclay, Barrett, Ballymore. um, These are the sort of brands we work with. And uh, it's quite important that we do that because uh, we wanna work with the very best. We wanna make sure people that are spending their hard-earned money, investing their money, or maybe they might be buying their first home, uh, that they have access to the very best um, out there. But to simply break it down, Uh, We sell new build uh, to first time buyers in the UK. Uh, We also sell new build investment properties to people abroad. Uh, This is why we've uh, reached out into Africa. So we found there's a lot of investors in West Africa, uh, as well as other parts of Africa, which we've worked in Kenya and South Africa as well, as well as the Middle East, uh, hence why the Dubai office. So these people want to buy properties in London for investment uh, for long term gains. Um, so we work with those people we can bring them to London and uh, give them a range of options anything ranging from like the bottom end at 300,000 all the way up to something worth 30 million depending on budget Um, so the international market can come and buy here but we also service the local uh, market as well so investors first-time buyers we work with uh, developers who offer help to buy scheme uh, for people with um, perhaps Lower earning potential and lower deposits because you got, you know, 5% deposit is more affordable for most people um, So that's the main sort of uh, sort of market that we're in There's other stuff we do, but uh, that's the primary part of the business Okay, so
0: that's LMC um, And that's kind of what you're doing at the moment Let's talk about, um, you know, your upbringing uh, You know, how all of that led to where you are now And um, kind of just showing people the journey because I think sometimes the people look at the end product and they think oh that's the the finished article this man you know he's done this and this and that but what they don't realize is, is how much you went through to get to that side yeah. um so let's start you know extremely young let's talk about
1: where you were born and 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 kind of the initial stages Yep. Yeah. so I'm uh, mixed I'm half Indian half English I was actually born in India um so the community of people we're from are known as Anglo-Indians so my ancestors would have been British, um, would have come over to India uh, in the uh, East India Company. And um, there's, there would have been a mix at some point between the English and the the, the local Indians. Um, so I'm Anglo-Indian. Born in India, spent um, some of my youth there. Um, and obviously because my ancestors were British, we came over in, in the late 90s. Um, and just moved to London. Um, when I was younger, actually, the whole interest in property began because I wanted to be an architect. Um, and when how I got, old was that? How old were you then? I would say probably around nine or ten. So I was very intrigued by different uh, buildings, different style of buildings, architecture in general. I really appreciated property. Uh, and the, the the this such vast uh, differences in the styles and, you know, the way properties are built and how they, you know, you see tower blocks and then you see different villas. And I was always intrigued by uh, the way property is put together. How are they built? How are they made? Uh, and I remember when I was younger, I was in, in, in India um, as a kid and um, we were driving past a, uh, a, a part which is now very developed, but in those days it wasn't. And we saw villas going up, properties being built. Uh, and I asked my aunt, my mom's older sister, you know, uh, who builds these properties? So she was explaining to me you know, that an architect will come in and design it. Uh, And then once it's designed, uh, you'll get um, somebody to come in and build it. So that's where my my love for property first began. That's when I first was able to identify that I like this. Um, And as I got older, I thought, look, I want to be an architect. Uh, When I got to college, um, somebody said, it's going to be seven years at university. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, So now, instead of being an architect, I employ architects, because we've got the development side of the business as well, which is separate to LMC Capital. Uh, But that's where it all began Um, Had a good upbringing as a child We're in India Moved to England um, In the late 90s I would have been probably around 12, 13 years old Um, And just moved to London It's quite easy to fit in really here Because it's so multicultural Uh, And London's a great spot for property as well Because you can drive down one street And you've got Georgian buildings And then you can drive down another street And you've got brand new, newly built apartments um, Which are really fancy and different looking um so yeah that's that's kind of where it stems from in okay. my early life es- essentially
0: okay and um so you mentioned you moved to <clears throat> to britain um when you settled in like what how old were you at that point around 12. 12 so you had started secondary school
1: just started secondary school yeah so what, what was
0: that adjustment like i think where i'm going with this is perspective because obviously you've grown up in a slightly different place mm-hmm. um obviously your adult years had been predominantly here but you know you had a lot more awareness of what was going there, going on there, and I think in India there's quite a um, a big you know gap between the rich and poor as well. Mm, uh, you okay. know similar parts, Pakistan, Bangladesh, very very similar. So let's talk about that a little bit, um, and then how that
1: affected your perspective. Adjusting was um, actually I, I didn't mention that but actually when we first moved here we moved to Cornwall, so um, that was uh, really difficult because. Um, adjusting with the accent and all of that was difficult as a school, you know, what school children are like. And um, there was a bit of bullying and stuff there, but it wasn't nothing major. We weren't there for too long. Uh, But when we moved to London, um, I found that it was quite easy to sort of integrate in school. It was a massive change because in India growing up, um, my parents, I'm not from like a rich family or like from a business minded family at all. My parents are just normal average working people and always have been. when we moved to London um it was a bit difficult to adjust but it was so multicultural and there was a lot of where I grew up there was such a huge an eclectic mix of people mm-hmm. there was a lot of Somalis it's a of, melting pot <laughs> yeah melting pot of just all these different cultures and just felt at home um, so it was difficult to begin with obviously the accent wasn't there um, so it was, it was visibly noticeable that you know these guys are not from around here they weren't born here um, so in the beginning it didn't feel like we belonged me and my younger brother that is Um, but over time it it got easier and um, yeah my childhood was was fairly good Um, grew up in southeast London on a council estate um, which was tough Saw a lot of things um, happened to friends and other people around me Um, because you hear about it on the news like people being stabbed Mm -hmm. and and all this kind of stuff uh, it doesn't hit you until you see it but I witnessed these things happening uh, to people around me in my school Um, so that was tough but good thing was our parents were very um, sort of on the ball with keeping us in check making sure we were with the right people um, not going out late night and uh, you know we just had a fairly normal upbringing adjusting was a bit difficult but I think um, fairly quickly we sort of just got on you know what children are like you just make friends and and uh, you just go from there
0: what was your school life like like in, in terms of
1: pursuing certain paths to be honest, the the architect thing was in the back of my mind. Um, but when I was in school, I, I'd like to imagine that I was somewhat academic. Um, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I know that sounds so cliche and everybody says it, but actually when I do something, I really wanna do it properly, do it really well. So I found that um, in school, I just wanted to, whatever I did, I did it to the best of my ability. And um, it took some, uh, you know, uh, in the early days I wouldn't have had like a, specific um, route that I wanted to take. All I knew is I wanted to be an architect, um, but I didn't sort of pursue any specific academic things that would allow me to do that. I mean, we obviously didn't even have the support network. Now, when I look back, actually, nobody sat down with me as a 12, 13-year-old and asked, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And then give me advice on how I should get there. Um, it's only when I got to sort of college, um, university age that you know I sort of learned about what i need to be doing in order to pursue certain things um but I'd, I'd like to imagine i was studious um i wasn't too unruly um again this comes down to my parents making sure that they were in uh, on top of things because uh, where i grew up it was really rough mm. i grew up in woolwich and in, in southeast london so um, there was a lot happening uh, with the youth not enough for the youth to do but i also played cricket so um, cricket was a really good thing because it kept us very busy um i went on to play you know, age group County cricket uh, for Middlesex. My brother went on to play professionally for Kent. So our summers were basically eaten up with cricket and outside of the summer, uh, we'd, um, you know, we'd be training. That's all we did from the age of sort of 13, 14, when we first started playing cricket at a club, all the way up until I was 19, 20. Um, I didn't obviously make the professional grade. So I then decided I want to be, you know, I want to be involved in business. Uh, but yeah cricket really helped being involved in sort of team sports
0: any sport essentially gives you discipline as well and it's, when it's a team sport you you just build different kind yeah. of characteristics that are gonna help you lay it 100%, down and
1: I think that really helped as well because actually um, with the team sport there's there's so many facets to playing in a, in a team that uh, you brought camaraderie you know how to communicate with people or work together as a team um you know how you have uh, a, a single goal and how mm. everybody contributes to that goal and who has their own specific um particip how they participate within that in order to bring that to fruition so i learned a lot actually now when i think back is at the time i never realized but when i when i look back at it um i can sort of see how that really benefited myself um, at that time so what
0: made you go into the property or business route I mean obviously at that time you were thinking in the back of your mind architect you were um, you know quite intellectual you were good at studies Um, where did that then go from college to uni to then you know stumbling across business or any kind of venture yeah
1: Um, it was really simple actually a good friend of mine who I played cricket with um, he'll be watching this He, um, him and myself, we wanted to basically become property developers. I knew that sort of at the age of 16, 17, I don't want to spend seven years at university, come out and then I'm in my 30s before I'm making proper money as an architect. So I was about 18 and at the time we were having a conversation about how do we get into the property game and the simplest, quickest way to do it was to become an estate agent. So he went off and got some experience at an agency. I went off and got some experience at an agency and we kind of learned everything inside out and then we basically took those blueprints that we got from them um, for the companies we work for and we basically had everything that we needed so we launched uh, our first business at the age of 18 in Greenwich it was really tough at the time we were the only brown boys on the block <laughs> on a street full of um you know traditional estate agents and it was very tough uh, we we launched it we were actually We're very fortunate, we walked past the shop and we saw a little sign in the window. It used to be an old insurance shop that said property to rent, 800 pound a month, uh, all inclusive. And we were like, wow, we can actually do this. So we opened our first agency. It took a few years to build. I left that and I went on to, I decided to go to university. But that's where it started and that's where we had the idea. Look, we weren't able to develop properties at that age because A, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the know-how. So the only way that we could get into that was, let's start an estate agency, then we understand the market, mm-hmm. we understand the trends, we understand what it takes to do certain things like refurbishments and all of that, because we wanted to sort of progress over time. Um, and that was a really good sort of stepping stone for us. Um, and it just went on from there. But that's where it all started. I went off um, a couple of years after into into the business and I decided I wanted to go to university and study um, again and I went and uh, did a business uh, degree with finance. Um, and then after I came out of that, I had some, I wanted to do some corporate work. So I did a bunch of things in IT and I worked for the for the government as well. Um, and then I'd had some money saved up because uh, I used to, uh, funny enough, I used to trade the the stock market and uh, not just for uh, the stock market, but also foreign exchange. Um, and I had a sizable amount of money that I wanted to invest and I went back to the same guy I started the first business with and I said look I want to buy a couple of houses and just rent them Uh, and he gave me the idea he said look why don't we just do what we had discussed when we were 18 why don't we start developing if you've got this chunk of money um, let's form a company and we can go ahead and uh, we can just start developing and you'll make more because fair enough you can get two houses you're going to put them on rent make a bit of money, uh, but then they're just sitting there. But if we're developing, you can actually make a lot more back. Maybe we can hold some properties, add them to a portfolio, and then we can reinvest the profits we make into more projects. And that's how we got into the development side. But then I saw um, how much agents were charging, you know, 2%, 1%, 2% on every sale, because we were using agents as well. We had the agency, uh, but for conflict of interest, we normally gave that business out to somebody else for them to sell it. Because, you know, as a developer, you can sell your own properties, but it's probably better to get somebody third party in. Um, And then I started looking at the new build sector. So that's how LMC Capital sort of came around and came about. Um, And I said, look, I'll just do it with bigger developers who who are developing thousands of properties. uh, And we've got access to marketing. Everything is digital nowadays. Um, So you don't actually even have to be physically present in a location. Um, And that's how that all sort of came about. Sorry, I know i went on for quite a while. No, right? no, no. That's... I was just trying to break it down because yeah, I'm thinking back now about how this all began and how we've got to, to this point now.
0: Nice, no, nice. I think also sometimes in day-to-day life, you don't tend to reflect about a lot of these things and the journey. So sometimes when we have these conversations, it's like it actually brings out a lot of memories. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a few guests that have said, you know what, like you actually, it was like a therapy session. Like uh, it helped me uncover some of the things that, you know, I couldn't really uncover because sometimes you don't really have these conversations, especially, you know, when when our lives are so busy, our phones are constantly distracting us. So sometimes to just be nice and quiet and have a conversation is, it's rare.
1: Yeah, so it's funny i haven't actually reflected on that before i've not actually sat down to think about that process and um, how i got here uh, but yeah you're right it's like therapy um, to, to think back and actually go back through all the steps i think we get so busy with work and with business you know what it's like you run your own business it's non-stop i mean mm-hmm. you can never switch off especially if you're in a service um, service sort of based business where you're providing a service to people um, and I, d- I just don't have the time to sit down and reflect and be grateful, even for all the, the wonderful things I have. Uh, being where I'm from, I mean, uh, if you'd seen where I grew up and uh, I grew up and you know the the people I was around and the kind of estate I lived on, the school I went to, you know, you'd never imagine. I would never have thought I'd be in this position. So yeah, you're right. It's it's good to reflect and good. It's it's like therapy. 100% agree with you on that.
0: So. You spoke about the kind of step-by-step process of how you went from that first business to to lmc Mm -hmm. um what i want to know is is that in your early days of lmc what did that look like because i know from my journey like the first two years is brutal um and then if you grow on the other side then you know there's new challenges Mm -hmm. um but that first two years um how did that look because knowing you off camera as well like we've had these conversations where you know i really respect your business i think you know the model is exactly. fantastic you've obviously gone through trial and error as well to get there um, but you've essentially built a business that you know needs very little day-to-day kind of maintenance but mm-hmm. you're financially free um, and you've achieved the goals that are important to you um, and that kind of unlo- unlocked a little bit of a th- thought process for me as well because like most people, they they either go on the journey where they're just going to accept an average lifestyle and then you have the others that are go-getters but just have random numbers in their head, Mm -hmm. like a a number that they think is is big enough. So, oh, I want to be a millionaire or I want to make a hundred million. Like they'll just have these random kind of uh, targets, but no one actually then calculates what you actually need because maybe not everyone needs a million pounds. Some people need 300 grand a year and they're nice and comfortable. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, The early years of LMC and you know how you then got to a model which you know suited your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite important. Just the the lifestyle. I mean, you touched it on that. The, but the the first two years were a struggle. LMC was actually born off of the back of, so you know that first business I had established with a friend of mine. I'd left and then I'd come back to that business after university and when I had some money, and uh, when I started to invest in properties, um, I actually went back into that business. Um, helping them on some other stuff that they were doing in terms of like um, the serviced accommodation side of things Um, and instead of becoming a director on the firm again and uh being uh, sort of involved on the physical paperwork i'd set up lmc capital as a a subsidiary Mm. or my company that would uh would invoice the main company for the work and time i put in that gave me the flexibility as well to be um i suppose a shareholder in the business without actually being a shareholder and that's how lmc was born so it was never actually set up as a company to be doing new build sales or developments of its own Um, so a few years into that uh, we then set up another so on the back of the first business we'd set up another company and that was our development company so there was four partners on there two of whom i got on really well with one of whom uh, and we've spoken about this off camera i did not get on with for for many reasons i'm not going to put that up on here but let's just say that him and me clashed a lot. I am a very simple guy with business. I like to do business straight um, without any sort of um, issues whatsoever. I like to make sure that everything's fair. Um, and I, we just didn't align. So we'd set up, while we were doing the development business, we'd set up a new build homes sales business within that brand, but it was a sub brand. Mm. And um, I'd run it with him for pretty much a year And I'd learned a lot of um, what the industry required and how I needed to get into this. And I saw that it makes money. I stepped away from a lot of money with that business as well. We're talking six figures or more um, at the time, but I was able to walk away from that because I just wanted a clean conscience. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, So that kind of gave me the blueprint. Um, So even that was an L, but it was actually a W because um, it taught me a lot about the business and also how not to do that business um but because lmc was already running and functioning um all it was very easy to transition from what i was doing with the other business and then just move that over uh because what lmc is is we are a property company we're an investment specialist company but actually we are just a marketing agency essentially all estate agents are marketers that's all they are um you know it's, make it sound really technical and we do this and that and we bring value but the real value is in being able to sell something and that's essentially what we do Um, But yeah, so I learned from that experience uh, when we were doing the development business, I had LMC on the side and I'd learned a lot about the new build sector. And then I was able to transition that across and do that myself because I wasn't getting on with one of the guys uh, in that business. So I basically parted from that business. They continued doing that. And um, I know that they still continue to do that, Uh, but we just do it differently. And we do this, we do the same thing, but we do it differently and we do it better. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to imagine we do it better. Um, so that was the but the the first two years were very difficult, very very difficult because actually um, getting the right strategies in place because selling property is not like selling a phone or you know like a five ninety nine or nine ninety nine product you sell on online. It's people spending you know half a million pound plus on average in London the average property price is four hundred and seventy odd thousand. Um, so it's a lot of money and it's not easy to sell, especially to people who aren't actively. So for example, we don't sell our properties on Rightmove or uh, Zoopla, we can't. We have to advertise in different ways. So it's actually, when I, th- when I really deep it, when I think about it, it's quite impressive that we're able to turn over what we turn over without Zoopla and Rightmove because we are basically targeting people on social media, using Google, using people like <laughs> yourself to, to assist us, um, you know, with our digital campaigns and stuff like that. So that's what we're doing. So the first two years was really difficult. I have a good team around me. Um, I've got a few good people around me one in particular who's stuck with me for several years now and he's really, um, shout out Mo, if you're watching Mo, um, has it really helped me, he's done everything um, I've asked him to do and it's really important. I've had a good team around me. So that's what really helped LMC sort of grow. But it's, bro growing business, there's no there's there are some exceptions I found but I think most people that I've spoken to and I know some really serious business people like multi-millionaires, billionaires even, um and 99 percent of them will tell you that it's hard work and the two key things i found from which helped me was perseverance but being consistently perseverant if you can be consistently perseverant with your business and you know what the vision is and you just work tirelessly towards that and eventually um something will will give something will give definitely bro and tawakkul is really important for me i don't want to sound um exorbitantly pious but as a muslim for me like uh, when I put my trust in Allah and I lay down the bricks as I lay them down I have trust that he will make it work you know a hundred percent of the time it's worked and uh, that's really really helped me
0: okay and uh, I want to go back a little bit based on mm. something that you saw a couple of things that you said um, So you mentioned obviously the partner story. Um, We won't go into too much detail about that individual, but I do want to talk about partners in general, because Mm -hmm. you then went on to say, you know, how important it was to have a good team around you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think anyone in business can agree that, you know, you always need a team around you. You're only one individual. There's only so much you can do, you're not scalable. Um, But there's a big difference between a team necessarily and partners as well. Um, And I get this DM at least four times a a week about, um, should I go into business with a partner? Should I get a partner? Why do I need a partner? Should I do it by myself? Um, so for all those people that, you know, are curious, you've had the experience with and without, let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> I've actually spoken about this before, but um, having partners is um, it's very nu- nuanced um, in the sense that you could do business, you won't really know what somebody's like until you actually sit down and do business with them, right? Um, but my approach is a bit different now because I've learned that because um, your thought process doesn't always align and you might have different um, visions and different ways of working and different things to prioritize. What I've done over the years is, um, for example, I've got, I just said to you Mo, as a young guy came to me at the age of 18 and uh, he said he'd work for me for free for six months and I put it to the test and he worked for six months. I paid his travel and I bought him lunch but he's now a shareholder in my business. But he actually earned that. And uh, he put in way more than anybody else I've ever worked with. Um, but no, there's definitely sometimes you need business partners. Um, people are more invested I feel. So th- what I've done with people that I've given um, shareholding in my businesses to has been on, on merit. We've had targets, we've had um, certain expectations met and when they deliver, it just makes sense to be able to give them a share. It doesn't have to be huge, but they're invested emotionally as well because mm. then they feel like they're part of that business. You know, they're working towards a common goal. Because if uh, sometimes you have employees in in our industry, one of the the biggest challenges is having people and retaining people in the estate agency business in the in the property business in general. Turnover is so high. Uh, staff turnover is it's so. It's a high. tough business. It's a very tough business because somebody else offers somebody five grand a year more, they'll leave. Because they just they want more money
0: and some people just leave the trade because they can't do the sales and they can't do that relentless attitude
1: definitely so um, I would never discourage somebody from having business partners but I think uh, really doing a lot of due diligence on the person you're going to be doing business with and what do they have to offer really my mistake was in the previous business I didn't really do enough due diligence on that person I went on the back of somebody telling me that this person was solid and they've got something to offer so I was okay with that um, but maybe I should have spent a bit more time with the due diligence. So if you are gonna take a partner, I'd say definitely consider it, but see what they have to offer. See what their track record is. You know, what do other people say about them? Um, and that's really, really important in business. I think your, your um, the way people view you, your integrity, your um, for me, like the way people see me is really, really important. Like, you know, I want people to be able to do business with me because they trust me. And at our level, we're not a Tesla or a Google or Amazon, we're not that size. People buy from people at this level. They don't buy from brands. I mean, because we're not that kind of brand. So it's really, really important that you as a person and the people representing you in your business are trustworthy, are seen to be trustworthy, are doing the right things, you know, um, and have the client's best interests at heart. Um, and the people around me now um, basically follow that ethos. And unfortunately, people I've done business with in the past some haven't, some haven't. I'm not saying everybody I've done business with that have been business partners are terrible. Um, so I wouldn't wouldn't want to tell a young person don't take somebody on but see what they have to offer. I think that's the main thing.
0: I think also with partners it's always good to get you know, or work with even partners or investors it's, it's good to get individuals that complement your weaknesses. Um, so like if you know that okay, I'm great at sales and marketing get someone who's good at recruitment or accounts or other areas of the you know other functions of the business that way you're not treading on each other's toes but also you guys are working in the same direction towards a goal and you're doing the things that you're the best at
1: 100 percent, i agree with that because like i've had i've been having conversations with people i get these conversations all the time oh, i've got a business idea do you want to invest do you want to jump on board blah 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 then i, I sit down and i think what do i have to offer and what i can offer is uh, i mean i'm good on the property side of things but i know how to scale business as well so um, if i see that there's a business opportunity where i can come on board and i can actually offer value in the sense that i can help them grow the business or i can take it in, d- in different avenues different directions where they can make more money then i'll seriously consider a partnership there but then the the inverse is also true so if you're looking to expand your business or do something or bring partners on then you've got to have that same mindset what does that person offer mm-hmm. if it's just money you can get money anywhere like somebody could come to me with a great business idea or what they think is a great business idea and I could pump 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand into it. But if I, I'm not able to scale it, that money is just down the drain. Do you see what I'm saying? Because there's no point in just putting money in because you need to have a strategy to be able to grow that business. But if you don't have the right person that can um, come up with that strategy or draw that up and have sort of a vision of where this will go and how it will go, the money is pointless. So um, sometimes it's more than just money as well. It's you know what that person has to offer Um, i think that's the main thing Mm -hmm.
0: so through that journey in lmc um past past the years where you know you're trying to figure things out and then now things are starting doing well at what point did you because obviously at this point you've made a bit of money you're not broke anymore Um, you're not you know just stuck in hopelessness you've achieved something Um, but that also means maybe you've ticked off a few you know things on your checklist um, and sometimes at that point you then need a new level of motivation or you need to kind of assess your goals a little bit of what do I actually want for the next few years or or, or long term Um, so at what point did you kind of realize that and and experience okay you know what I'm not broke anymore but now i need to achieve this or i need to you know what have a better work-life balance or or things like that
1: yeah um we were going to touch on that earlier actually the work-life balance i think that for me has always been the most important thing i think most people um how much do you need to live 50 60 70 grand a year i think most people can live on that maybe in london a bit more because things are more expensive but in my mind it was always about a couple of years into the business when i started to see turnover um reaching you know above the six figure level then um i kind of looked at myself so i'm really fortunate i've got i've got kids I'm, I'm a husband i'm a father and those things are quite important to me having time for my family um and a couple of years in as i started making sort of what i'd consider decent money um i thought to myself look i need to take a little bit of a step back the whole point of being self-employed um is to be able to for me personally this is not for everybody but i mean it's a very subjective thing but for me personally it's about um, having time for the family having a really uh, the ability to just get up and go when you want and having enough finances in, in order to do that and i can't put a figure on it but if it's a quarter of a million pound a year that's enough um, especially if you run a lean operation like mine mine is not a huge like we don't we're not a huge organization uh, we don't have fancy offices in knightsbridge uh, that's just not how we have to do our business. If it was required, I would do it. But for me, it's about having time with the kids, having time with my wife, being able to go away several times a year. Uh, but alongside that as well, as I said, I mean, the work-life balance was important, but this is why I've expanded because there's only so much you can do in London. I feel like I've got London on lock in the sense that we're doing good business here. We're making really good money. Um, it's a very lean operation. Why don't I just take a global? this is why we went to africa this is why we went to dubai because you know the world is a huge place but actually it's very accessible you can get to pretty much anywhere in the world within 24 hours um so that gives me travel opportunities and this excuse to travel away when i went to africa to uh set up an office there I took my wife with me uh it was a bit a bit of a break for her imagine if you're in a nine to five and you have to travel abroad and you know you can't just take time off and just tell your boss I'm gonna go away with my wife for for a a week or two weeks or however long Um, but that for me flexibility was really really important and when LMC got to the point where I was earning um, what I felt was a a decent amount of money um, not that I've taken my foot off the gas but it's just like it affords me more time and the way I've built the business is that it's so lean and so simplified, it's genius, but it's also simplified at the same time. I can't really say what we do and how we do exactly. I'll be giving away too much, but it's um, it's very lean. It's very simple uh, on the base level, uh, but it affords me a really good lifestyle. It affords the people that work with me a really good lifestyle. But most importantly, what it does is that it gives me time for my family. I got a call like literally some holidays, but just before the holidays, I got a call from my daughter's school saying she's bumped her head and she's not feeling well. Now, imagine if I was in an office somewhere in the city with my suit and tie on, um, with that noose around my neck. You know, my boss breathing down my throat, like, you know, what's going on? Like, uh, I need to go. I need to get my daughter. I'm like, you can't just get up and go. But now I can do that. You know, I just left everything in the office. I said, "Guys, I'm going. I need to go. My daughter's not good." Uh, and I left. It was like half twelve in the afternoon. Literally, when the day's like you're in the middle of everything, and that's that's was quite important to me. Um, but LMC affords me that and i like it that way
0: so i'm guessing your personal life became a bit more of a motivation for you as well because you were like you know what i don't necessarily need to have the same ambitions as other people or same kind of realistic goals because for me that's that's not what i need like there's a lot of people that have 10 million in their bank account but they're depressed Mm -hmm. and they have no family around them they have no you know wife kids um So I think it is definitely self-awareness, understanding yourself, mm-hmm. um, but when you kind of got to that area where you, your family now, like they, you see them, you're there for any emergencies, um, where did that kind of desire for the next chapter come from? Because you're not stopping, you're, you're going to Africa, you're going to Dubai, um, you could have said, you know what, I'm comfortable, let me just, that's it, let me remain with London and that's it. So... You still had the hunger, but you adapted a new way way of working. So, explain that a little bit to me and the audience.
1: Um, it's hard to really um, articulate exactly how that came about, but I thought, look, but you you as a person, you had that hunger.
0: Like 100%. you you had achieved something, but you you weren't like, I'm gonna stop now. We see a lot of people like they just give up and they think, you know what, I've done enough now. Yeah. But you had done it in a way where you valued your family, you wanted to have that free time, um, but you also still were hungry in the business world. You just did it in a way that suited all areas
1: of your life. 100%. Um, I think the hunger was always there, as you said, you're right. Um, but why stop? You know, uh, some people just get into the, into their comfort zones. I'm the kind of person where I just, if I'm doing the same thing for too long, I just, I'm, I don't feel right within myself. Like even when I go on holiday or I'm gonna go away, I never go for more than seven to 10 days because I start, my fingers, I get on the phone, my fingers start twitching, I wanna check my emails, I need to start making calls and, um, you know, I'm quite, in that way, I get bored very easily and very quickly and I don't like to switch off for too long. So as much as the family uh, and work-life balance was important to me, I I wanna legacy build as well. You know, I want to be able to go and um, do things in other countries I want to grow the business I want to make sure that the, If the children decide when they're older They want to be involved in this They've got something mm. there And then it's spread across Loads of different regions across the globe um, And also I wanted to do things differently Like me, like I said I'm, As I said, it's very cliche that you know I'm a perfectionist But also along with that I want to do things differently to everybody else Because there's a hundred other people doing what I do But they're just not doing it the way I'm doing it right so for me it was like there's guys doing what i do but they're not quite doing it like this so how can i make it better how can i expand it to more people across different regions because i'm doing it online anyway so why don't i just go there and just keep growing it and see where it gets you know um and the rest is is in allah's hands you know you do you do the work uh, and it grows and And i think you are more conscious of profit versus revenue 100 percent profit is is so important like because the thing is you could do i could turn over half a million pound a year and my profit could be you know 400 grand of that's profit and it's only cost me 100 grand to run uh instead of having a five million pound business and you know your your profits are pretty much the same you know because sometimes the cost of uh transacting Mm -hmm. is so high that even though you're you've got a really high turnover the percentages just don't make sense it's like if I can still make you know say 200% on my money every year and it still affords me a great lifestyle that's perfect you know and if I can replicate that in other countries then that will just multiply and it will essentially grow over time um, and compound essentially so this is why I've done that as well you know Uh, a for legacy building B I run the business in such a lean and in such a uh, strategic manner that I can do that and then I can take it to other places and replicate it and it doesn't give me any more stress because I've got people in those in those regions that are able to manage and run with me overseeing it, of course. I'll never fully be able to switch off. But One of my goals was like, I remember when I was in my 20s, I wanted to retire when I was 30. I look back now and I laugh and it's just one of those, it's so, one of those, again, very cliche things. You know, by the time I'm 30, I just want to retire. It didn't happen for me at 30, and now I'm 36. Uh, when I was 30, then I hit 30, I was like, okay, I'll give myself another five years. Now I'm 36, and I'm thinking 40. But I think even then, when I hit 40, I don't think I'll ever fully switch off because um, I don't think I can, and this is why I've just kept it growing.
0: Hmm, interesting, okay. Um, I wanna talk about religion a little bit because um, you mentioned it briefly at the beginning, and, and obviously having patience and trust um, in God. And I also know that you, Have a unique story about religion as well. So uh, let's talk about the importance of religion for you and and how that's impacted your success, your career, your life. Alhamdulillah, bro, I'm a Muslim.
1: Um, I come from a Christian background and I became a Muslim when I was 18. And at the time, um, I used to have a lot of Muslim friends. I played, as I said, I played cricket, county cricket um, age group as a child. And um, I had a lot of Muslim friends. I was interested in loads of different religions in general anyway. and i had a lot of muslim friends who i play cricket with that would pray regularly and stuff like that so it was very intriguing to me um and i felt like i wanted to as well so i started looking at the religion and actually when i was younger i was very um sort of had a big interest in like comparative religion so being a christian i kind of knew my bible quite well and i'd try and debate with my friends um about sort of religion right and uh I'd always speak to my Muslim friends And they'd be like uh, Whatever questions I ask them I'd always get the answer And um, I thought You know what I'm going to do I'm going to actually learn about their religion So that when I'm debating them I can actually give them You know objective um, answers Rather than just things you hear online And stuff like that So I started reading about Islam And other religions as well And it really appealed to me Alhamdulillah uh, When I was 18 uh, Just before I was 19 I took my Shahada uh, but faith is really, really It's the center point of my life I mean, even the way I run my business And people that work with me Will tell you the same When it's time for prayer We stop everything We pray um, You know, people that work for me Or people when I work uh, When I'm in the office juma We're always at juma, Uh Never miss it uh, When we're out We'll just pray I think uh, So what I do is Rather than have um, My uh, work My deen around my work I work my work around my deen so that comes first um because everything all risk is from allah right that's what i believe and um, as long as you're doing you're putting in the effort and you're putting your trust in allah i've found personally that everything i need and require just gets it just gets given um and it's it's just a center point in in my life and um you know prayer meditation like i said tawakkil, Just, just thinking about the things that um, have been revealed to us, and actually, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Somebody um, asked me the question about like, um, do you know, do you have any role models or people that you looked up to? When I was a kid, I probably looked up to like sports people, like footballers and cricketers and stuff like that, right? Um, But we don't have to. As Muslims, we don't have to look far. We've got the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was a merchant, a businessman in his own right. And he was the best of all of them Like his manners, his integrity So much so that the most powerful, most rich woman in all of Makkah Proposed to him in marriage because he was so impressive with the way he did business Um, And when I really um, contemplate these examples that we have And also his Sahaba, his companions um, There were some of them were very wealthy, very rich, very um, excellent business people Uh, We have those examples there, so I look at that and I think actually, you know, he, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was a businessman, he was a merchant, and he was one of the best examples we can have, so I try and, I'm not saying I'm in anything like him, nothing like him at all, but um, I try and uh, implement some of his business practices in the sense that pay people when they do, be honest, if there's an issue with something, tell them, um, and just uh, make sure that you do business in as clean a fashion as possible. Um, but yeah so the faith kind of um, has molded and shaped the way I do business as well it's quite integral and important to me mm mm-hmm.
0: and that's amazing and you you said you reverted at 18 yeah um, you were lucky in the, in the sense that you already had Muslim friends around you so it was not it didn't feel like a c- crazy transition but what about your home life
1: it was difficult my parents weren't very happy with the decision not to say that my parents are overly practicing Christian um, but obviously as a, ch- as a child, you know, you've come home and you've said And there's a lot of misconceptions in the media about Islam I think when you really look into it, you you, you can find out for yourself I'd, you know, I'd welcome anybody to go and read a Quran from, from cover to cover, you'll know um, But for them it was difficult, uh, a difficult pill to swallow um, But I knew that, that that was the truth, for me at least And um, it was it was rough You know, when I was 18, 19 for my parents to hear that there was a time where um, I wasn't living at home, um, partly because of my own arrogance and my own anger and partly because maybe I had an argument with my dad and you know, uh, things just went too far and I left. Um, So that was quite difficult for me and that was around the time that I'd started the business as well, you know, the first business. Um, But I kept my faith and trust in Allah um, and here I am. But um, yeah, it was definitely uh, difficult for home life and and also in the early days i wasn't hanging around the right kind of people they were muslim but a lot of guys were doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing uh, as muslims Um, so it took time for me to transition and grow as a muslim Um, but yeah that that's that's kind of always been there in the background and that's why it's so important to me
0: Mm -hmm. so we talked about religion we talked about family life we talked about some of the things that you achieved What I want to know is you've been through a lot of adversity, you know, through the years and you've conquered through and you've kept your kind of business hat on throughout that process. Um, But throughout everything, what would you say from your own perspective was your hardest battle? Out of everything, out of being in India, out of, um, you know, transitioning into the UK, out of all the other things that came along, you know, the hardship of early LMC or... um, you know everything that you went through what what would you say is your hardest battle that you're the most proud of that you've kind of achieved and got through to the other side because sometimes wow. when we go through problems in the moment it feels like this is the end of the world and i'm never gonna like get through this
1: hmm. alhamdulillah bro i'm not gonna lie like i feel really really fortunate i feel like even the the really difficult times i've had are really nothing compared to what some people i'm just very grateful i i, I like to think that i'm quite a mindful person Um, and I'd like to reflect on all the wonderful things I have we have more than 99% of the people in this world if you're earning 40 grand a year you're in like the top 1% globally do you know what I mean? so like and I'm earning way more than that Alhamdulillah Um, so from that perspective um, struggles have been like you've just pointed some of them out but I don't really see I see them as little scratches in 2017 I got stabbed um, when I was abroad I don't know if you remember me telling you this but somebody put a beer bottle in my neck and I nearly died, uh, woke up in intensive care. And that kind of, you know, gave me a huge um, shift in the way I thought about life because I thought I was invincible up until then. Because you know, you're young, you're making money, you're spending money, you're going out with friends, you're just doing whatever you want and you just feel like nothing can touch me. And in that one moment, I kind of realized, that no, actually, you know, you're um, very fickle. And your life can go like this, you know. When it's your time, Allah will. When it's written for you, you're gone. Um, so what are you gonna really do with your life? Um, and when I deep it now, I'm 36. I'll be 37 soon, and I'm like middle age. How long do people live? 70, 80. If you're lucky, you get to 90. When people get to 90, people say they've had a good life. So I've lived half my life if I really deep it. And um, when I think about it now, like the challenges uh i can't really call them challenges bro my biggest achievements would be my children i would say like alhamdulillah they're beautiful children that's a challenge in itself having children bringing them up in the right way in the current environment the way things are you, you know you worry about you know how how their future is going to look and i think part of that is also the reason why i've you know i'm so hungry for business and i wanted to expand and go to different different regions because um i worry about them and their financial well-being in the future. Uh, But they're probably my biggest achievements. Nothing, bro, nothing we do in this life will count for anything. As a Muslim, I can only speak as a Muslim, right? True success, we will never achieve in this lifetime. Because if you truly believe in Allah, and if you believe in the hereafter, that is true success. Here, nothing you will achieve, you're gonna leave it here. When you get put six foot down in the ground, All of your possessions, all of your money, your cars, your properties, your assets, they just get transferred over, right? So what's true success? We will spend more time in that ground than we do on top of it, alive, when we're dead. So for me, that is what I'm working towards. Yeah, the money is important. You know, uh, Allah said, tie your camel, right? Don't just leave it and walk off and trust that everything will be okay you've got to do things in order to survive in this you know doing business like i said the prophet was a merchant he was a businessman in his own right and very very good and successful at it as well so um when you deep it like nothing we achieve it will be it's success but it's just worldly success it's materialistic success that will give us some happiness and some comforts but for me true success i'll never achieve it here This is why I don't think so deeply about 5 million, 10 million. I don't have a figure in my mind. If I can make a decent living where I don't have to put my hands out to anybody, I can make sure the people around me are paid, they're looked after, my children have a good future, I'm happy. And yeah, the business does amazing. It does really well. Um, But that's true success for me. What am I doing for for that, you know, for the hereafter? Because that's where I'm going to spend most of my time. Um, And that's what, you know, our true success will be. Uh, when it what it all boils down to um and that that's why again it comes to the prayers you know the i'm not saying i do not want to sound exorbitantly pious here bro uh, or you know or gratuitously woke i am not yeah but
0: it's a core cool foundation of your life <clears throat> 100%. you live it day in day out 100
1: um so that for me is like um what i think is the most important thing and that's i think keeps me level level ground uh, uh, and on you know sort of grounded in the sense that because you can make a lot of money, like going back to what I said, like when I got stabbed and I was in hospital, I woke up, I never thought that would happen to me. You know, I remember when I was on the floors bleeding and um, I took my watch off, I gave it to my brother. I said, give this to Zach, my son. In that moment, I thought I was gone and nothing would have meant anything. All the money in the bank, all my assets would have meant nothing if I hadn't returned home alive. Because that's not gonna give my children happiness. Their dad's gone it's going to give my wife any peace her husband's gone you know what's the bigger picture here it's them it's being there for them being able to provide for them but also having um some kind of preparation for um the life after this wow that was
0: powerful to say the least um and you actually answered one of my next questions which is what does success mean to you which is great that you kind of uh broke it down i've never had it broken down like that in terms of Um, your life and and, and death. And it's such a simple mistake that most people do. We get caught up in the worldly matters.
1: To elaborate on what you just said about success, I'm not saying that that's the only thing that you have to be worried about. That's really, really, as a Muslim, for me, I can only speak for myself and as a Muslim, right? That is our ultimate success. But that doesn't mean you can't go out and do business, make money. It's important. For me, it's how do I link that back to goodness? So when I do good in business, I, like, I make dua, right? I don't ask anybody for anything i ask allah for everything when i make dua i say to allah give me barakah and give me success in my work so that i can be useful to you to the ummah." how can you link that back to being useful mm, giving be back in the right ways giving back in the right ways with the right intention you know and i feel that that really helps in my business and everybody else i've spoken to like um, if you can link your success back to allah and being good for people, not just Muslims, people in general that are le- less better off than you. Um, I think that really um, gives it automatically. Bro, everything just falls into place, and you just, I'm. There's some months I'm stressing. You'll know running a business like cash flow can be a problem. You need to pay for things. You need to pay staff. You need to pay for your office, running costs. And there's like there's not enough money there. The VAT bill's coming up. You know your annual tax return's coming. You got to pay your taxes. Um, somehow alhamdulillah it just gets sorted it's fine and you know i'm waiting on an invoice that hasn't been paid the money drops and everything's fine um it's not always nice to be in that situation but like i said that success is important but also there's be the best as as a muslim you should be able, you should be the best at what you do 100 like if you're in the property game try to be the best you can be in that game if you're doing the social media thing you're managing people's socials you're producing content whatever it is be the best at that because you're you're not only being a good role model at the same time you're also doing being excelling in your field and you'll get recognized as that right so that's quite important as well Um, but it's not the most important thing i think
0: anyway i I really like that i want to talk about the the property market a little bit or you know the challenges that the new generation have in investing in property in london or, or even the uk in some ways um how i know you're a man that invests a lot in a lot of different areas (laughs) random areas which we'll go into as well um but so so what where i'm going is obviously you you sell property day in day out right Mm -hmm. and obviously to your clients you have to sell them the benefits of why they should buy a property um but as a person as an individual away from your business how do you feel about property as an investment and do you advise that you know young people today should still have that in their mind of you know what i need to get a property in London
1: yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you something really interesting. I like I said earlier I know multi-millionaires and know billionaires and pretty much anybody and everybody that has money like I'm talking serious money not not people flexing on the gram. Um, I'm talking about serious serious business people people with serious money. Pretty much 99% of the ones I know all have assets that are property related either commercial property or residential property. Um, they all have money in bricks and mortar so if you can invest in in property worst case if you can't afford in london go outside of london look at fringe areas fringe towns towns that have um, a strong rental market yeah strong rental demand you can go outside of london and do that your money will always be safe uh, the worst case you hold it for 10 years and you make a little bit but you will never lose it you know with inflation and stuff like that as well um the 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 money you have in the bank is always going to get eroded over time but it's better in the property because a you can get some residual income in, t- in, in the sense that you can get some rental revenue but at the same time you'll also have the potential for growth especially if you're playing the long game property can be the short game but flipping properties and stuff can be um, it can be risky business you can make a lot of money doing it but actually owning and holding assets in the property. If you look at it in the long-term perspective, you'll always make money, especially in London. I mean, I think I was looking at trends recently and um, pretty much anything you buy in London will double every 10 years, there or thereabouts. So if you invest them in half a million now in 10 years time, it should be worth around a million pound. I mean, I've, I've done it. I've bought physical properties where I've, I didn't want to buy it, but it got it cheap, two, 300 grand. Then I'll weigh over half a million pound in value. And they've just been there rented making a bit of uh rental revenue and they've doubled now that's not going to make me a multi-millionaire overnight if you've only got like say so you got 10 12 properties it might take you 10 15 years to do that but it's a really good fallback you know um so yeah i would definitely recommend young people to look at the property market um, especially if you're a bit more inclined towards the longer game i think there's a lot of um growth potential there look at pro- uh, commercial property is definitely something i recommend people to get into because um, people think about buying buying flats and houses right and renting them for rental revenue buying a flat or a house has its merits but there's a lot of hassle that comes with that because if anything goes wrong you have to fix that issue whereas with the commercial property you buy a shop or you buy a building which has a shop maybe has one flat above or two flats above you give that shop on a lease for 10 years you don't have to worry you're just getting your rental revenue in it's going to be a decent amount have rent reviews in there so that the rent goes up every four four five six years however long um and you have it's hands off and that that will grow as the rent grows Commercial commercial is a bit different to residential property because residential properties value differently to commercial commercial property is valued on the rental revenue so the more the rent you receive on it the higher the value is assigned to that to that specific unit um, but over time rents will go up anyway uh, and commercial property is a lot easier to actually finance uh, and also um to get um, in terms of managing, so you don't have to do as much work. You know, whoever gets a lease, the person that's in there has to maintain the property. They have to do all the work rather than you having to do the work. And as the rent goes up over, the, over time, your property value goes up and you can then leverage against that to buy more, okay? Um, I mean, that's a, a very long, there's, we could talk about that for, for hours. I wouldn't wanna go into that, but I would never um, discourage a young person from looking at owning property uh, because i feel like it's robust it's stable and especially in london if you're buying something you'll always make money in the long run
0: and let's talk about alternative uh, ways of investing because obviously um you know properties always i think it's one of those things where i think most people would say that it's a good investment um, at any point in your life um, but obviously not everyone has those opportunities um and they're not in a position to necessarily buy a house and maybe they're on their way to doing that. Um, what are some of the other other uh, kind of investment strategies that you've done over the years?
1: I've done a lot of things. So like I said, um, stems back to the um, stock market. Um, buy companies that you like, buy them when they're down. When there's a crash, just buy and hold. Again, they'll double over time. It's more risky, please don't take this as investment advice but stock market's a great place to start because you can start with very small amounts of money you can start with 500 pounds rather than five hundred thousand pounds right um so you can start with 500 pounds put it into something that you like tesla for example or anything that you uh, as an example um and just watch it grow and give it time so that's a good place Uh, foreign exchange i'd say is a little bit more technical so maybe avoid that um watches are great um The reason I like watches is because you can lose You need to know what you're doing with watches But I think watches are great investments Because if you can buy certain models um, They will increase in value Because they're highly sought after Um, And also uh, it's cash on your wrist And it's very very easy for you to Let's just say you bought a watch for 10,000 right? Um, That's 10,000 on your wrist It'll appreciate over time But also think about liquidity in that You can sell a Rolex pretty much anywhere in the world At any given time You walk into a jewelers and they'll buy it so it's very easy to liquidate as well. Um, so watches are great. Gold is great. I mm-hmm. r- recently uh, got into the whole Pokemon space. Um, we were talking about this, right? So um, I I've got a graded uh, a number of graded cards, like uh, PSA ten cards, um, which have pre- there's a bit of a crash going on at the moment, and there was recently as well. So I just bought up a bunch of um, highly sought after cards at reduced rates um but i also buy like pokemon sealed product like this is going to sound crazy coming from a property guy right but the if you look at the history of pokemon sealed products that they sell like booster boxes and special collection premium boxes etc they have always gone up in price right so if you put ten thousand now in so sealed pokemon product i can pretty much guarantee in 10 years time it'll have double tripled in value Um, i bought stuff at like a few years ago like 200 quid and they're now okay It's is just, just one example of a box of like booster card, uh, booster packs uh, 36 packs in one box Pay 200 pound for it it's now worth 700 if i'd bought 50 of them for example you think about the growth you can't get that in a property but that's a lot more accessible as well think about it because a young 18 19 year old might not have 30 40 50 grand as a deposit on a house but to scrape together a few thousand pound and then just buy these and sit on them or you know um, hold them for a while you'll make money that way as well So these are some of the things i mean with the pokemon side um, i was quite cheeky about it so i was buying a lot of pokemon product and it was costing me like retail price so i said how can i become a distributor so i then got in touch with pokemon company and i can't be a distributor because i'd have to buy a crazy amount of stock every month in order to have distribution rights in the uk so it's like okay what's the next step then and the next step was retailing so how can i become a retailer so i had a business running from before And I contacted the the UK distributors for Pokemon and they gave me license to retail. So the same thing that would cost me £145 in the shop, for example, a box, I can buy for £75 plus that. Um, And I buy them. We sell some of them, but a lot of them just go into a sealed collection and I'll sit on them when my kids, my kids are 9 and ten, eight and 10. My son will be 9 next month, uh, in October actually, sorry. And um, I'll just keep it till they're in their 20s. And those things I know for a fact will have tripled in value by that point because the trend is that over the last 25 years, anything you bought that's Pokemon related will have gone up in value over time.
0: That was a great breakdown and, and realistic advice that people can can actually implement today. Um, where did you get that from? Like, have you always just been
1: curious? I've always been really curious. Um, I've always been intrigued by um, sort of, really hyper successful business people in this world i've read a lot of autobiographies um you know a bunch of them Alan sugar being the first one the apprentice was something i used to watch a lot and i used to see these guys on the apprentice and I'd be like i could do that and people used to tell me as well you can do that and then i applied and then when i saw the process and i was just like i'm not going to do this but i was very interested in that not the current version of the show i'm talking about like 10 years 12 years ago 15 years ago um and uh, I've always been intrigued by the way people generate money. Like when I look at my own business now, it's like we generate revenue out of thin air. And that's crazy to think about it. Like, you know, the the current digital climate allows us to do that. Um, but yeah, I've always, always just been intrigued by what you can buy that will be an asset, you know? I hate spending money on things that I know will depreciate. And i've always just looked into things so like the watches i was talking about like not every watch you buy will go up in, in value right you can pick up something for 20 grand now and it'll be worth watches are a bit down at the moment as well actually coincidentally with the pokemon thing but um i bought a watch like last year 18, 18 i paid way over retail for it the watch only retails for like 12 and a half grand but you can't get it from rolex you have to buy it on the gray market right and i bought it in november and in april it was worth seven thousand pound more. I could have sold it. I didn't. I held, held on to it because it's something I wanted in my collection. But just just give you an example how you I put you know eighteen thousand into something. And I made seven grand, seven eight grand back like in no time. Had I sold it, um, but I knew that 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 was the trend anyway with that. But I really. When i when i look at something as an asset class i really get into it and i do a lot of research i really try and find out to speak to people that know about it as well you know th- this is the great thing about the times we live in now if you really want to you have access to the right people to ask them about anything you know like if i wanted to know about you know social media strategy i'm sitting with you i can ask you you can tell me right if i want to speak to somebody about property development there's so many people that I have access to and it's digital world we can reach out to people and you can network and meet the right people to do pretty much anything and that's what I do when I'm interested in something I'll speak to somebody that knows about it I'll spend time researching and I I recommend this to all young people if you're interested in something go and research you it. have to be inquisitive you have to be willing to ask the question though. 100% put yourself out there ask the right people and surround yourself with the right people i you know like when I, I remember when I was like 16, 17 one of my good friends um his dad was involved in the property market right the property game and we'd sit around with them in their house and his friends would come around and they were discussing like hundreds thousands hundreds of thousands of pounds like in the, in the beginning it was like wow these guys are talking like 100 grand 200 grand my guys you know drip and gucci and Versace, like and in the beginning it was like whoa this is crazy but the more i spent time around these people those figures just just became monotonous so now when somebody even says like a million it doesn't you don't flinch I don't I don't twitch it doesn't excite me Uh, but it's because I surrounded myself around those people do you see what I'm saying and it just became the norm Um, so I think yeah definitely for young people that'd be one really good piece of advice surround yourself around people and don't be afraid to learn ask people that have done something and are good at it and successful at it how they did it or to give you advice because there's so much value in that people that have already been there I wish I'd met somebody like myself when I was 18 but there was nobody around for me to ask. I had to learn the hard way. So now, when I have young people around me, I try and make sure that I can mentor them in a way and give them what I didn't have. But yeah, definitely reach out to people that are in the space that you want to be and in. be inquisitive. Ask the right questions and don't be afraid to network. It's so important.
0: Yeah, I think even when when I look back at myself as a child, like I remember that, you know, I was always asking those questions. And you know, like people nowadays, they're so caught up in the 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 glitzing glamour so the first thing they would ask a successful person if they have the courage is what do you make mm. but that 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 question is so like subjective because you know if i ask you what you make it could be what your yearly salary is could be what your end of year dividends check is mm. it could be what your net worth is there's so many like ways i could inflate that number yeah. just to make myself feel better or look good um but rather asking you know how did you get here especially if you know that they followed a path that maybe you want to go into like for example you you know you talked about property you talked about pokemon maybe there's people out there that are right now thinking you know a lot about okay i want to get into property so if you know someone that has bought property ask them that question because they've got to the angle that you want to get to as opposed to the the fairy number that we that we get caught up in
1: definitely i do find though that there is unfortunately there's a lack of role models and people that you can ask because a lot of people unfortunately especially i can only talk for the property game that the people don't really want to share the real juicy bits that are available uh, you know in terms of information Um, unfortunately there's a lack of that out there but you still have to go and find you know you have to go and try and talk to the right people to to sort of get the information and it's quite interesting actually a lot of people don't realize the work and the, the the struggles you have the l's you take before you have the w's I'll give you an example. I was um, I was I had a guy that came for work experience was several years ago, and I was still dabbling in the the um, penny stocks stock market, right? And he came in one morning, young guy, uh, 16, 17 years old. Came and sat next to me. I said, "Look, I'm trading. Do you want to have a look at how it's done?" He's like, "Yeah, I'd be interested." He was there to do like admin work, property related stuff. So market opens in US uh, about nine thirty a.m. local time. is about Around 2.30 p.m. Uh, our time right UK time and the market opened and by 2.40 so 10 minutes in I'd made three grand yeah like five thousand odd dollars it was like three grand it just, he just literally I'd placed the trade it's gone up you can see the profit and loss I've closed the trade in 10 minutes I'm done for the day and he was sat there dumbfounded like you just made three bags I was like yeah I just made three bags but guess what it's taken me 10 years to learn how to make free bags in 10 minutes. And you know, there's times where I've lost 30 bags in one trade. Would you be able to cope with losing 30 bags, in, you know, in one time, in in literally in, in, in one minute, in, te- in two minutes, 10 minutes? And he's like, no. Everything he's looks like, better from the outside. Exactly, it? the grass is always greener, right? So then I sat down with him and I said, look, he's like, I don't want to do nothing. I'm not going to uni, I'm not doing need to teach me this. I said, look, look, it's not that simple. You don't sit here and press a few buttons and all of a sudden you make, this kind of money on a daily basis. It takes a lot of work and effort and it's actually a lot of heartache before you get to the you know, the success and a lot of people can't cope with that. I said, would you be able to cope with it? Like, be realistic about it. And he's like, probably not. So I said, look, just continue doing what you're doing and look at this on the side. I'm not discouraging you from doing it, but do it maybe part-time, with smaller amounts of money. Don't say to me that I don't want to go to university. I don't want to do anything else because this is like the best thing since sliced bread. Because it's not, because you might not be you might not have the aptitude for it but you might not even enjoy it you might do it because you think it makes you loads of money but, but emotionally actually, you can't handle it emotionally you can't handle it or you might just not like it some people don't like sitting in front of a screen mm. and just typing away and doing stuff they want to be active they want to be out i was like you're so young you still haven't discovered yourself you know i wanted to be an architect but actually now i can employ them and i I'd, I'd hate now when i think about it i'd hate to be sat in an office like just drawing stuff and measuring stuff out and going on sites and doing all these measurements the world's changed as well so much you know 100 percent.
0: anyway barry i'm sure we can go for hours um sure but can. obviously we've both got uh, busy schedules after this um my final question um and it can also link to you know any final message you have for the audience um but my final question is People are obsessed now with overnight success. They're obsessed with getting rich overnight, looking rich as opposed to being rich. Um, And a big part of that is obviously social media and and the changes that the world has seen. Um, What's your advice to anyone that is now sitting in their room watching this and they feel like, oh, you know what? I haven't really achieved much um, because I've seen this person with the Rolex I've seen this person with the car mm. I've seen this person on social media talking about this success um, and that makes them feel kind of vulnerable and and, and inadequate n- inadequu- Inadequ- that's a great word inadequate um, so what's your advice to them and um, any final message as well to the audience
1: my advice to young people particularly watching this is don't believe everything you see on online I, you've probably heard this from many other people before and I'm not gonna be the last person to say it but um, that's all a facade there are very few there are some credible people online that flex that actually have money but they're few and far between people that have real wealth have real money are not on social media they don't have the time yeah just they just don't have the time stay in your own lane um really really be uh, it comes down to being grateful if you're grateful for what you have in your life like i said like living here in this country and in the west anywhere like we're better than 90 percent better off than more than 90 percent of the planet so just just have that gratitude to begin with. Secondly, don't watch what anybody else is doing. If I was to compare myself to some of the people I know, bro, I'd be depressed. Like seriously, despite all of my material success, if I was to compare myself to some of the people I know, I wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning. It never you know, ends. What's the point? Yeah. Because no matter how much you achieve or how much you make or whatever Rolex you have or whatever car you drive, you, you get a Huracan, you want an Aventador do you see what i'm saying you, you got an event to do and next thing you just wanna, human nature you want to you want to sharon like it's just never going to be enough so just be grateful number one i say to all young people be grateful for what you have don't watch anybody else most of what you see online is fake it's not genuine there are some credible people online that do flex i'm not going to take that away from them but you know stay in your own lane things take time Real business takes time to build. There are some outliers and some exceptions where you can launch something and bang, it just does really well. I'm not taking that away either. That can exist. But in a majority of cases, business and really making wealth and wealth that's sustainable, that will last and will have um, impact in the long term. Longevity Mm -hmm. takes time to build. Because if business was simple, anybody and everybody would be doing it and everybody would be like sitting in the Bahamas, sipping on their mocktails or cocktails or whatever right and they wouldn't have care for anything in the world but it's not that simple this is why people are still grinding that's why i'm still doing it i'm i'm, I'm gonna be and also your it.
0: business could be successful but you as an you as a director may not eat, like often you come last bro i
1: know people genuinely that are worth 50 million in assets maybe five million in cash like highly liquid and they've got a huge asset base right they're depressed bro well, I'm not lying to you I know somebody that's worth 50 million in just property has no family life has no social life with his children his his wife and they're just depressed bro so it doesn't the, 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 the bottom balance the figure in your bank account doesn't determine your, your level of satisfaction and happiness because I've been there I've been like I said when I got stabbed I thought I, I had everything but nothing meant anything in that moment um yeah so th- that's one piece of advice don't watch what anyone is uh, doing um don't be fooled by everything online um and just take your time things will take time but if you persevere and you're consistent at it then uh, you will you'll be fine in the long run inshallah um yeah that's that's my main advice and i'd say the same to my kids as well don't watch anybody just do your own thing 100
0: um i know you're not a um uh, you don't you know you're not crazy about social media but you know we do have the platforms there if anyone doesn't want to follow so where's the best place for everyone to check you out and um, obviously for LMC as well if anyone's interested in kind of becoming a customer or finding out more details um, why don't you kind of give us those
1: yeah you can uh, reach me on Instagram mr. London. it's a bit of a long one I'm sure you can, you can pop, put it in the description uh, linkedin if you look up lmc capital uh, we've got uh, lmc capital africa uh, middle east and uk so just look us up um, hit one of us up on there you'll find the staff you find myself you can hit me up on on the socials um, or the website uh, lmccapital.co.uk yeah get in touch um,
0: and if i'm someone that wants to buy a property um how simple is the process if i just know i want to buy something and i want to come to you guys what's the process
1: like it's very simple just get in touch drop us an email uh, give us a call uh whatsapp um we've also got uh, whatsapp for business uh drop us a message Um, what we do is we go through a very quick qualification process work out what your finances are what you can afford what areas you're looking in and then we'll just match you with the best thing next day just to do a viewing i mean i was in ghana recently and while i was in ghana i had met somebody there and they'd recommended somebody to me who was in london and my team were doing viewings here with that client in london so it was that instant it was the next day so and you know they've they've put in an offer and that's going through now so within six weeks they'll be done um so it can be really simple and quick just know what you know your finances are but we will ask you all the right questions send you an email um and we can just communicate um yeah it's very simple straightforward bro.
0: perfect any final message um no did you enjoy the podcast i didn't thank you for having (laughs) me on bro Thank no pleasure really, really, pleasure really pleasure is all it. mine and i hope you all enjoyed watching this as well um be sure to subscribe like comment check out barry as well and and support him and if you're interested in buying property check out lmc as well and we'll see you guys soon